0: Amen, Lord, and we thank you this morning that you're a God who, who speaks, Lord, who draws near to us. You're not a distant God and you long to speak your hearts and lives this morning. So I pray for each and every one, Lord, wherever we are on the journey, Lord, we'll be so aware of you, Lord, meeting us right where we are, speaking to us this morning. And so we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have our founding pastor, Pastor Peter, bring the word to us this morning. Peter and his wife, Marie, they... Founded the church almost 30 years ago down the local football club, and it's been such a blessing to see what God has done over that time. And so I'd love it if you could make Peter feel really, really welcome as he comes to share God's Word this morning. Thank you, brother. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Nathan, and uh, thanks, church. Um, one little announcement, I'm going hybrid It's Tuesday night. Okay, have you got that? So in here it says I'm only Zooming, but I'm not. I'm actually doing hybrid. So we're going to have a prayer meeting up there as well. So you can come in person or you can come on Zoom. So it's a little correction to what's in the booklet. Um, You'd already spotted that, but I I just sort of let you know that this morning, terrific. We are excited about this, are you? I pray that you are. This is historic. This is truly, this is historic. This is the first time in the history of our denomination and it's an old denomination that anybody's aware that we've actually set aside three weeks to pray and ask for God to come and revive our nation. That's the first time. Wow, that's big, isn't it? I think that's very big, very significant. Um, we, we have a longing for God to draw near to us. I don't know if that's your heart, but that's, that's our heart, my heart, our heart. God come near to us. And we need our loving father to come near to our nation, do we not? Do we not? Last week I happened to come across an article in the ABC which was a national survey about what Aussies think about marriage in children. One, stats, one, one of the stats said this, 43% of women aged 18 to 39 believe that marriage is an outdated institution. Almost half of the women growing up in our nation don't think marriage is 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 of value. <laughs> wow. Included in this report was the very best solution for cutting carbon emissions. You ready for this? According to a 2017 study published in Environmental Research Letters, having one fewer child is the most effective way individuals can cut their carbon emissions. I passed that wisdom onto my family, ABC wisdom onto my family. My daughter Caitlin sent back this message with a picture of him. <laughs> I'm sort of in grandfather mode still at the moment, so I thought I'd sneak something into my sermon this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, we're shocking, we grandparents, I know that. You forgive me, church. You forgive me. But this is what she said with that photo. Here is some Andy to remind us what that study is clearly missing. Mm, mm. I thank God for everyone who's trying to care for our, 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 our environment, God's will, I do. And I'm thankful for those that are seeking to impact our culture through holding to the sanctity and value of life revealed to us in God's word. Thank you, folks in this church are doing that. And His loving wisdom about how humanity should live, which is found in God's word. But we have now had a number of generations in our nation who have so little awareness of God. The truth of God's word is something unknown in, among so many, and we are beginning to reap the growing whirlwind of despair and confusion and emptiness and hurt and pain. I was speaking to somebody just after the eight o'clock service, who works in the medical field. And he said the stats about people taking medication for stress and anxiety and depression is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Without a move of God's spirit in our land, without a transformation of the hearts of many, then where are we going to go, church? What's going to happen to our nation? We need a move of God's spirit here and in the nations of our world, which is why this series and this season is so important. Because history reveals that it is through the church of Jesus Christ, even with all its imperfections and failures, which are many, that God changes the destinies of individuals and communities and nations. It's through the church of Jesus Christ. We see it at various times and places throughout scripture and we see it throughout the history of the church where where the Holy Spirit brings this remarkable um, increase in the spiritual life of a group of God's people. It's where there becomes this awesome awareness of of, of God's presence and intensity in in prayer and praise, a, a conviction of sin, a desire for holiness and an unusual effectiveness in evangelism leading to the salvation of many unbelievers. Now I know that the powerful works of the Holy Spirit are always sourced in God's heart, but God does not work in a vacuum on planet earth. He's chosen to work in and through people who are receptive and responsive to his word, who are spiritually awake, who are crying out for the things that burdens God's heart. And is God burdened for our nation? He birthed our nation. Indigenous people, gifts of God. All those that have ever come since, gifts of God. Do you believe this morning that your response through this season of prayer will affect the future of people's lives? Do you believe that this morning? That if you pray, things will be different in this nation. That's what the scriptures show. That's what church history shows. what the history of this church reveals. Just last week, I was reminded of two of the earliest renewals of faith in this church. They occurred back in the Aspley Hornets football days. Down in the early, mid-90s it was. One was Paul Rattray. He was not walking with God. But now he regularly sends me reports, along with a whole lot of other people, about God's amazing work among thousands upon thousands of people living in Asia through his missionary calling. Wow, do you ever think, wow, what a changed life. What a, what a new direction. Many of you may not know that Pastor Martin Luke, who leads the grove and the church that we planted, I remember on a Sunday just like this, He knelt down in that football club on the floor that was there and said, I I give my life afresh to God. Wow. I went to the opening of the Grove Grove Church last week, the new building in that community, and, and heard just a couple of the stories, the wonderful stories of what God's doing in that community. Don't you think that's a changed direction impacting lives? This is what happens when God's people pray. Destinies are changed. Communities are changed. So, what are our responsibilities, God's people? You know, what's our part in this reviving work of God's Spirit? What will mark the lives of those in Jesus' church, through whom God can pour out His Holy Spirit? What will mark us? Are you ready? This so is what I share with you this morning. And these things are things that have impacted my own heart. I'm actually preaching out of my own experience here this morning. I want to share these things with you. First passage I want us to consider is Ephesians 5, 8 to 11. It says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing To do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. The decision that we made when we first asked Jesus to set us free from the darkness of sin by by humbly coming to him and asking for his forgiveness is not just a one up decision that we do back there and then it's all fixed. We are welcomed into the family of God, but then begins the journey for us to become that all God wants us to be. And we make decisions every day and every year of our lives about whether we are going to fight the darkness. Your life becomes centred now in finding out what pleases God as you you listen to the truth of his word and, and how God calls us to live. You come to understand that the call to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness is not a call to live some um, restricted, legalistic, boring life, but rather it's a call to live the holy life. The most satisfying and abundant life that anyone on planet Earth can ever know. The one that God intended for us from the very beginning. It's living in Him and It's living with him. It's enjoying the the energised, spirit energised and fruitful life. Now that sounds terrific, doesn't it? And it is. It is. But the darkness is insidious, is it not? And our earthly flesh, it is still so prone to, to resonate with all our selfish desires, our lusts, our laziness our indulgences, our our jealousies, our, our greed, our idols, our pride, our hatred, our rudeness. It's a long list, isn't it? It is a long list. There's a lot to deal with in our lives. And every single person in this room here this morning and every single person listening online now is caught up in this battle. We all are, folks. As God sets out to complete the good work that he began when we first came to faith and trust in him. That process can be a very difficult and painful one. Have you found that? The sanctifying work of God can be very painful and very difficult. We, we don't like our sin. Especially our hidden sins being exposed to the light, do we? Our pride, you know, especially as supposedly good Christian people. It resists the exposure moments because repentance is such a humbling experience. But get this, Jesus did not die on the cross so that he can live with us when we get to heaven, when we'll all be okay, you know, everything will be dealt with. He died on the cross so that he can live with us right now, right now, on planet earth, with us. And that's why he shines, you see, because he wants an intimacy with us, a really deep growing intimacy. This is right through to the end of our lives. This word's for all of us this morning, not just those starting out on the track. It's for all of us right to the very end. And he shines and he keeps shining his light on every dark crevice of our hearts. He loves to walk with us. He loves it when his goodness and truth grips our hearts and he wants his joy to overflow from us. When the Lord shone his light on the dark murky mess of King David's adultery and and murder Painful though it was, what a blessing that turned out to be. We know from Psalm 32 and 51 how heavy the crushing weight of sin was in David's life after those terrible actions took place. He was actually withering away inside and that's what sin always does. It crushes you. It sucks the life out of you. Psalm 32, three, four, when I, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. These are terrible places to live. You know that, don't you? you some of you have, have lived in this place. I've lived in this place. But our pride, making out that we're okay, ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit, not being willing to face the pain of addressing our sin, it actually makes us spiritually sick. It puts a cloud on us, does it not? And as well as being spiritually sick, it can so often make us emotionally sick and physically sick as well. King David got it right for all of us when he said this in Psalm 51. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Who was without sin here this morning? Who of us are? How could David be the man and how could David be the, the king that God had called him to be if he remained in that state? How, how could he accomplish the things God had for him? And I know there were consequences, but this is to do with this man's heart. It was a crushing, it was a deadening year in King David's life as he justified, as he excused, as he, whatever he did to forget the things that had taken place. But when God confronted him through his pastor, Nathan, I love that brother. You listen to our brother as he preaches here. You listen to our brother. He's a pastor to us. He loves us. He loves us. So when Pastor Nathan confronted David, rather than ignoring or excusing his sin anymore, he said these words: I have sinned against the Lord. And what an incredible difference those words made as all his dark guilt was swallowed up in the light of God's mercy and forgiveness. It was such a transformation and change comes, came to this man's heart. His terrible stains, and they were terrible, they were washed away. He, he felt clean within, clean within. His crushed bones, they began to rejoice. That hadn't happened for a long time for this man. He knew afresh the joy of his salvation. And his mouth was filled afresh with praise to God. That, that's what the forgiven hearts do, church. That, that's what enables us to pour our worship out this morning because the junk's been dealt with. I think the illustration my brother John uses in day three of our devotional guide, make sure you got this one. Make sure you got it. share with us and read with us over these three weeks. It explains so well how liberating confession of sin is to a man or a woman's soul. It's a bit of a graphic illustration, I know, but I'll share a little bit with you. You can get the full thing on the devotion this week. For those like my brother, and I'm one of these two as well, who prefer not to be physically sick, who don't like chucking up, that's what I'm really saying, And, and you know there's something wrong inside and you know, oh man, it's it's a bad feel, it's a bad feel, but we don't want to go through the process of you know what, do you? I'm, I'm I'm holding the details to something, but you can think about them. But when, yeah, but when you finally get to the point where what needs to be expelled is expelled, uncomfortable though that part is, and it's, <laughs> pretty humbly, you're normally on the floor or near a toilet bowl somewhere or other or whatever. But what a relief it is when it comes up. Have you found that? That's what I have found. What a blessing. Oh, praise God, we finally got rid of that. You hope that it had done, there's no more to come, of course, which we sometimes have to do, but that's relief. What marks people in communities who are spiritually ready for revival is that people want above all else to get sin out of their lives and they humbly and very courageously embrace the mercy and the grace of God and it is so liberating and it's so freeing. If if you're caught in that place this morning, if your bones are crushed, spiritually speaking, then Jesus calls you this morning, come, come. Know the freedom that's found in Jesus, hearts made right. That's a community, you know, that's ready for the work of the Holy Spirit in great measure. Second passage. Comes from Genesis 45. It says this, verse 4. And Joseph said to his brothers come close to me. When they had done so he said I am your brother Joseph the one who sold the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers, all of them, and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Those who are ready for revival are people who have kissed those who have wronged them. Did you hear that? Kissed those who have wronged them. Joseph had every good reason to exact his revenge for the actions of his brother. Even though it was a long time ago, I know that. But he had every reason to. But rather than hatred and violence, this family ended up what? They ended up crying over one another. It's an incredible picture. Crying over one another and reveling in the mercy and the grace and the provision of God out of all those broken circumstances. It is the forgiveness and the kindness of God to us that that enables the very spirit of Christ himself to enable us to forgive those who have wounded us and to engage in the acts which bless them, bless them. This is the essence of the Christian faith, isn't it not? That we're enabled to do this because of Jesus and what he has done for us. Colossians 3, therefore as God's chosen people, holy, hear this, this is us this morning, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Satan the deceiver, do you know how much energy he spends, how much effort he puts with all his demonic hordes into creating hurt in our sin rack world? Do you know how much effort he puts into that? That's his life purpose wreck people's lives. And he's very successful, actually. Wounds and grievances and breakdowns, they litter the world and they litter the church. Do they not? Do they not? They actually litter our world. It's not all that difficult actually to discern the injured. There's a sort of a sense you become aware of something. And this, I'm talking to Christians here, even when we go through the usual routines of Christian life and we you know, we pray the prayers when, when, you know, we have to pray the prayers and, and we say the right words. We might even smile when it's appropriate. But there is actually a loss of Jesus' joy and his life. And, and there is no overflow to others. Not when they've got a wounded heart. There's no, there's no overflow to others. But Jesus, here there's someone this morning. Jesus is greater than our injuries. And when we obey him and when we let him change our unforgiveness to grace and love, then people weep over one another. Did you know that? That's what happens. People weep, weep over one another. And you cannot contain the overflow of God's blessing. These are actually some of the most powerful moments you'll ever experience on planet Earth when these sort of reconciliations take place. Over the last um, almost seven years now, I've been chairing our denominations board. That has not actually been a real easy journey um, for me personally and there have been um, actually many difficult and taxing um, situations that we've faced as a movement. Um, at our most recent gathering where delegates come from various churches all around our state to meet together, it happens annually, Happened just after Easter, we were discussing the setting up of a schools charter group to work with the, the, the 10 schools um, which belong to the churches and the ministries in our, in our movement. Is this sounding exciting to you, what we're working on there? There are some of the things that are happening. Yeah. Well, in the middle of this discussion, you know, about this sort of more business organisational matter, this person came to the microphone who, who I didn't recognise but he introduced himself as one of the pastors of one of these churches that are linked to a school. And then he said words to this effect, I just want to apologise on behalf of our church for some of the earlier dealings with those that are responsible here in, in, in our movement some painful matters that happened a number of years ago and I just want to apologize about that on behalf of our church. I actually knew about some of those difficult things that we'd been through with this particular church and school. And then he went back to his seat. That was his contribution to the discussion. Wow. And as it's quiet here now, it was quiet then. It was And I was chairing this meeting I think, Lord, what am I meant to do now? What am I meant to say now, Lord? I I, I knew how much God had blessed that school and that church since that time because it was a number of years ago these things had happened. But when people stand and make apologies in public meetings, then these are incredibly sacred moments. Actually, any moment when people are apologising and things are being put right as it was for Joseph with his family, they are incredibly sacred moments. And so I stopped the discussion. And I said, we just got to pause for a moment. And, and then I accepted on behalf of our movement the apology, the, this humble apology that had been given. And then I, I prayed asking for more and more of God's blessing on that church and that school. You know what the hardest thing for me was as I was doing that? The hardest part was me trying to hold it together so that I could pray and not weep. That was the hardest part. Because I was weeping. That these things would take place in our movement. Reconciliations in Jesus occurring. They're powerful. This is one of the reasons why I'm so faithful as we pray with many other churches for revival. That. These are the sort of moments you see that are readying our movement of churches for the reviving work of the Holy Spirit. When wounds are dealt with, do you know what happens? It's blessing. That's what happens. That's what happens. Our oneness, our unity, our love for each other in Jesus it really does cover all our wounds and pains, and when that happens, Satan is cast down, folks. That's what happens. And there are incredible victories won. Some need to hear that this morning. These are precious truth from God. The third passage that I want to read comes from Revelation three. I come to this one humbly too as well. I'm not here to bash anybody here this morning. I'm here to call us. The greatness of what God wants to do is he deals with sin in our lives. It says this, to the angel of the church in Laodicea Right, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's Jesus. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. These words, they are to Christian people. They're not actually to unbelievers. Well, if you're an unbeliever, come into the kingdom this morning, I invite you. But these were written to Christians. As we've already seen, when when People are getting prepared by God for holy purposes. There actually develops or grows this heightened sensitivity to the holiness of God. We've thought about some of the blockages, you know, the unconfessed sins or the wounded heart, but this passage, it focuses on the deadening effect of lukewarm faith. This is something actually sometimes a little bit harder to discern because it can appear at first that everything is okay Spiritually. But Jesus actually knows that it's not. This very, very sadly, is where comfortable, complacent, and passionless Christianity takes you. This is the place it takes you to. It takes you to lukewarm faith. It's a mindset which is content with the perceived minimum that you have to do to be a Christian, or, or. you're satisfied enough with where you've arrived to and I'll hold it at this particular place. It's most common in places where there isn't actually as much need to depend upon God. That's, that was the problem with this particular church. They were in a wealthy city, wealthy church, had lots. Wasn't as much need for God. So they could do comfortable Christianity. And one of the common marks of minimalist faith is not being too concerned about what is commonly regarded as the less significant sins of our lives or of those around us. There's an interesting word that Jesus used in Revelation 2.20 when he was addressing another one of these churches in this region of Asia. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, who leads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idol. In the revivals of the Bible and everyone ever since, the notion notion of tolerating sin is burnt up in the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit. It's burnt up. That's not good enough. That's not how we live. It's the things that we regard as being not too bad that they take our, take the edge off our passion for God. You know this. I know this. They take the passion, the edge off our passion. And they can often take the edge off the passion of others around us too. And then drift begins. Drift. This is how the... NLT translates Jesus' words 219. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be dil- diligent, be diligent and turn from your indifference, from your indifference. In a heart that's ready for revival, a church that's ready for revival, that, that just keeps welling up this, this growing passionate commitment to let the spirit of Jesus transform every Every single area of our lives—it's it, it, not that that's okay. That's something that something can be tolerated. Um, it, it doesn't really matter that I could be indifferent to that part. No, no, no. That part becomes critically important as Jesus shines His light on that. As He shines His light this morning, and this is what He says: Remember that this is to lukewarm Christians. Here I am, I'm standing at the door knocking this, this very morning. It'll be for someone I know, knocking. You know why he's knocking? Because he wants to come in and eat with you and you with him. You know what I mean? To enjoy intimate fellowship and relationship with Jesus. Intimate. Not just tick the box, but I've got Jesus, but, but to actually live with him. And the joy and the holiness and the energy and all the things that flow from him. Hear that someone, maybe all of us this morning. Maybe all of us this morning. The final passage that I want to read to you, and this is in a a different focus to the ones that I've just shared with you. But it comes from Isaiah 62, six and seven. These verses come in the context of prophecies about the coming of the Messiah who would establish God's people. Listen, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest, speaking about God, till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. In ancient times, watchmen on the city walls used to warn if the enemy was coming to attack or to herald the approach of someone with good news. The most important responsibility of the watchmen was what? not to fall asleep. And they often cry out, that's the purpose of their crying out was to show that they were awake and they were on duty. Here in Isaiah, the purpose of these watchmen and watchwomen was to cry out to God until he brought to fulfilment the things that he had promised. Give yourselves no rest and give God no rest till he establishes Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The reason that these spiritual watchmen and women are, not, are, are crying out is not because God has forgotten his promises or he's too busy with other things so he needs you know, people to cry out and say, God, listen to this. No, no, no. The reason to pray persistently Is because when you're privileged to see what God is planning to do, then it is only right to ask fervently for those things to come to pass. Isn't that, doesn't that make sense? God's revealed his plan. Well, let's pray into that. We want what God wants, don't we? If you fall asleep, you lose interest, then you'll miss out on what God is planning to do. The messianic prophecies that Isaiah spoke of in this passage, they were not forgotten by the godly, you know. 700 years flicked by and there were still people believing these promises and waiting expectantly for the coming of Jesus. One of whom was a righteous and devout man called Simeon. This is what we read. There was a woman too, Anna, that we know of as well, just a couple of the ones that are mentioned in the Bible. This is what we read. At his dedication, Jesus' dedication, he took... Jesus in his arms and prayed, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. It was a promise you had given this man. He's not going to die until he's seen the Messiah. Well, there he is. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And that is what the godly always do. They're alert, they're awake, as our series says. They don't forget the promises of God. They don't fall asleep. Rather, they hear them and they, and they pray them. And they keep praying them until God brings them to fulfilment. We've been given many promises by God over over the years, but one of the big ones is that God will bring revival to this area. And not just to this area, far beyond this area, I know that. That particular promise came to us um, in 1994 actually through someone who's been singing on stage here actually because she met someone in the hospital where she was having a baby and this woman spoke about um, living in our community here. Her grandfather had a property here and she was on the back steps and she heard an audible voice from heaven say I'm going to bring revival to this area. And in that chance meeting as a baby was born in 1994 that story was related to us. Wow. And we believe with faith. Uniquely given, God's going, pour His spirit out, bring revival. I've often shared that story here, but what I had never shared from this place is when I've questioned whether that promise of revival was indeed something that we had received from God. So, I've got three of my journal entries to share with you this morning. The first one occurred in 10th of June 2006, 15 years ago. That's why journals are great. You can go back a long way sometimes, can't you? This is what I, I wrote in my journal on this occasion. I asked Marie in bed last night if she believed God can send revival. You know how those little things come? Yeah, have you heard that? But will that really happen? I turned to read my devotion for the day, not expecting anything in Romans on the issue of revival, but read this in Romans 4.20. Listen to this verse. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Well, what an answer that was. God can whack you with a big one sometimes, can't he? He did it for me, praise God. Now this process is often the way it works. You get, you get a doubt or a thought comes to your mind and then the very thing, next moment God's got a word just to reassure you. It's, it's wonderful how he speaks. 6th of January, 2008, 18 months later it was. I wrote down, wondering again about Revival. Thick as a brick sometimes, some of us are, you know that. So there I am again, wondering again. But today, you know, I'd say like the thought comes, but today, and I didn't think about revival every day, these were just things that came at moments. Questions. But today, my reading was Psalm 85, which included verse 6. Will you not revive? There was the word, revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you. The psalmist was asking God, the commentator wrote, the psalmist was asking God to revive his people, bringing back. I'm bring them back to spiritual life. He can pour out his love on us, renewing our love for him. If you need revival in your church, family, or personal spiritual life, ask God to give you a fresh touch of his love. Boom. Second one that I've got. And just one month later, you're gonna think I'm the doubting Thomas of Bridgman Baptist, aren't you? Now you are. Don't judge me, you lot out there. Don't judge me. You be kind, grace-filled. You've heard all these things. You have to be towards me. (laughs) That's why I love living in the church. Jesus keeps telling everyone to be gracious to me. Oh boy, praise God, praise God, praise God. So let me finish. 15th of February, 2008. Been questioning a little about revival again. But here in my notes this very day, as you have done on the other occasions to sustain faith, I find a reminder that you have a plan to bless. There were even the very questions I was asking. Commentator on Isaiah 51, listen, 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 awake, awake, awake. If you read that particular chapter, then he wrote this. There is a sense of mounting excitement, but perhaps also of desperation. When is this long for deliverance going to occur? Why is it taking so long? My very questions. Times of revival have often been preceded by this desperation, this sensitivity, this longing, this retrieval of God's promises. There is joy in all God has done, but also a longing that he will do it again, that he will do greater things than we have yet seen. That's it, greater things. We have seen God do wonderful things, have we not? But it's about so, so much more that he wants to bring about. And so I and many others in this place have believed this promise. God's gonna bring a great reviving work here and in many other places. Revival is never just for one place. It's our God's so generous, you know, it just goes everywhere. And our responsibility as watchmen and women is not to fall asleep, but rather to pray and to keep praying. We are to give God no rest until His plan to revive and awaken us and awaken our nation is brought to fulfillment. No rest, no rest, church. That's what these 21 days are about. We've we've prayed for many decades. Don't think this is something fresh or new for us. We have prayed this way for decades. Some meet every week in this church for that very purpose. But imagine being able to join with a whole set of other churches throughout our our state and join together. Wow, that fills me with faith alone, that we as a denomination are going to do that, other churches. This is just the family God stuck us in. It's a big family I know and other denominations as well. But to join with them, it's new, it's fresh, it's good church, it's great. And this is what watch men and women do. As God readies his church to be blessed in ways beyond anything that we could think or imagine. So you are needed. Folks, you are needed for the destiny of this nation. That's why God put us here. Did you know that? That's why we're here. So you heard what Jesus wants you and me to be this morning. This is the people we're meant to be, called to be who are willing to humbly repent, to let all our darkness be exposed to the healing light of Jesus, who choose to kiss those who have wronged us, to kiss them, who have rejected that, that drift to the lukewarm, not minimalist faith. No, no, no. To run after God. To run after him. Run after him. And who are watching expectantly with faith-filled prayer. Calling out to our great God. Come bless this land. Come bless us as a church. Bless you individually. Fam- families, don't you long to be blessed. I know that. I know that. So many families. This is who Jesus wants us to be, called us to be, and he's helping us to be through the power of his Holy Spirit. Um, Only God's Spirit can place this in our hearts, but we're asking him to do that. That's what this season's about. If you have heard this morning, be holier, be kinder, be more passionate, be a better prayer, then you've still not really quite caught hold of what Jesus is wanting you to hear this morning. Did you know that? It's close, but it's not actually what Jesus wants. What he really wants us to know is, do we want him more? Do we? Do we want him more? To know more of his presence, to to experience more of the wonder and, and the joy of life that we have been given in him. And that's what he wants us to ask him of this morning, whatever that may mean for you. If it's to address sin in your life for that, if you to repent. If it's to kiss someone, well, you will do that. If it's to forsake the things that are on the edge that just suck the life out of you spiritually, do that and then to join together and pray, that's it. That's the word of Jesus to us this morning. That's the Holy Spirit coming and sharing his life with us this morning. So we're ready to pray. Come, let's do that together. That's always the appropriate response as we hear the word of God. So we come, holy one. We humble ourselves, Lord. Search our hearts, Lord. Put your spotlight there, we pray. It's because you love us, Lord. Because you're for us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to get the stuff out. Keeps us in the place, Lord, where we feel crushed and weighed down by the burden of our sin. Oh God, bring some out of that place. Even the very this very morning, I would pray some, Lord, that might be watching this, Lord. I take this moment, Lord, right right this very moment, to cry out to you: I've sinned against the Lord. And then experience the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ being poured out, O oh Lord. Help those, Lord, here this morning who feel they're not sure, Lord, that they could kiss those who have wounded them so deeply. Help them by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray, Divine One. Your grace is sufficient for us. It is. Grant that, not- That supernatural power, I understand that, Holy Spirit, but grant that to these these ones this morning, I pray, that there would be weeping and reconciliations and, and healings, Lord. In the church of Jesus Christ, I would pray, and in our land, please, Lord, we cry out to you. For some here this morning, Lord, and I've just left the edges. Tolerate certain things. Content with where they are in their relationship with you, Lord. Oh God, please come now. Give them a hunger and a thirst for the things of righteousness in every area of their life, we pray, Lord. I
0: pray that, Lord,
1: in my love. And then, Lord, that you'll help us now to pray will join together Lord in this special way this church and many other churches Lord ask for the pouring out of the things Lord that you have promised and so Lord we come humbly into your beautiful presence the joy, the life that's found in you eat with us Lord and we eat with you in the fellowship of Jesus Christ our Lord in whose precious and mighty name we pray Amen So we conclude our service this morning. There's a beautiful opportunity just to respond. During this awakening series, every Sunday, we're gonna provide an opportunity for people to be anointed with oil at our services. Some had that last week you might've missed because the crowd might've been too big. Well, we've got a whole sort of three weeks or so, four weeks I think it is in total. We don't want anyone to miss out. It was a beautiful reading and encounter with God this week. It was about the, the priest in the tabernacle. And you know, part of his outfit and gear, and God was very clear about the instructions, he'd have a turban on his head and there'd be a gold plate and on it would be written the words, holy to the Lord. Wow. Holy to the Lord. Well, this morning, if that's your heart to be holy to the Lord, well, that's what this anointing is about, you see. You're just having that mark, a physical mark on your head To say you are holy to the Lord. If there's other things God's doing in your life, you just let Him do that this morning. Just just invite you to enter in the response to our loving, wonderful, amazing God. So come, let's stand, sing this song together. Enjoy the mercy of God, his love, his ministry here. You just come as you want to in this song and be so welcome. Some of our pastors and prayer team will be down here ready to anoint you. God bless
2: you.
0: as we pray for 21 days of prayer. But I just want to pray a blessing over each and every one here this morning. Let me do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your work among us, great God. And we pray now today, oh Lord, we ask for your blessing over all the churches as we gather together and pray. And Lord, please, please come. Move mightily, Lord, in our own lives, in your church, Lord, we pray, in our community that needs you desperately. We ask, pour out your Spirit. And so, Lord, yeah, we just ask you break down all the obstacles, all the barriers, all that you want to do, Lord, the blessing you want to pour out. We ask this now in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. You can be seated. The band is going to play that beautiful song we sung earlier, worthy worthy of it all. But you be seated. If you want to come and be prayed for, just continue to come forward. But thank you so much for sharing with us those online as well. But do feel free just to continue to come forward and be prayed for this morning. God bless.